You're listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church, where friends become family. For more information, log on to www.fbcqc.org. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is week six in our identity series. That's hard to imagine. Week six. And in this series of messages, we have been filling in an important blank. I am blank. And uh, thus far, just uh, by way of review, I want to remind you that we have filled in that blank with a number of important words. Uh, And uh, here's the list. I am created. I'm created. God says in the earliest pages of Scripture that we are created in His image, that we are created in His likeness, uh, that we are made to mirror and to reflect His character and His nature, that we are highly favored, we are blessed to be a blessing. Uh, And in that and throughout this series, we have learned the important truth that our identity is received, it is not achieved. Who you are should determine what you do rather than what you do determining who you are. Satan loves to take the truth and he loves to twist it, doesn't he? He would have us believe that it's what you do that determines who you are. I am created. Then we've discovered I am forgiven. Uh, I am forgiven. Isn't it good to be forgiven? Amen? Uh, Isn't it good to know that your sins have been forgiven, removed as far as the east is from the west, buried in the depths of the sea? And with that, we know that we all have trash in our past, but we don't have to live in it. That does not have to be our identity. I am forgiven. I am secure. What a great word. Uh, You know, there's a lot of talk today about security, uh, about uh, uh, people feeling safe and secure. Are, Are you secure in your relationship in Christ? And in that, are you secure in who you are in Christ? That's why this identity series is so important, because if you're not secure in who you are in Christ, if you don't have it settled as to who you are in Christ and how you would fill in that blank, then you're going to have a tendency uh, to find your identity in what other people expect of you. What are their expectations? Uh, what, are the, what are their opinions of me? And that's what you'll become consumed with that. Uh, but we can know that we are secure in Christ. We've discovered the important truth. I am new. I am new. The Apostle Paul told us we are to daily be putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And it's not an either-or thing. Uh, It's it's both. And we've got to daily be putting off those old fleshly desires, uh, the things that well up inside us and cause us to get full of ourselves and cause us to look at life from a a, a very prideful, very self-centered perspective. We've got to daily put that off and at the same time put on the new man, who we are in Christ. Uh, I am new. Last week we looked at the important word adopted. I am adopted into the family of God. And in that we discovered that Satan loves uh, to take what we have done. That's that's where he loves to start and destroy who we are. (laughs) But God says, no, I'm going to start with who you are in Christ so that I can repair what you've done. Uh, And there's a huge difference. Now, Now, all those are great words. Uh, and, and I love the thought of each one of those. I'm created, I'm forgiven, I'm secure, I'm new, I'm adopted. And, and these are not just pie-in-the-sky kind of things. This is not just positive thinking where we can sit around all day and go sing kumbaya and just think positive thoughts. And these are biblical truths. There's theological foundation for each of these truths. And, and, and how amazing is that? 
And now you've got to understand when, when God lays a series of messages upon my heart, especially at what we would call more of a topical type series like this one as we're looking at identity. And although we've been looking uh, to a large degree at the Apostle Paul and his autobiography kind of, uh, you've got to understand at the very beginning, at the outset, I kind of lay out what I call the skeleton as I'm praying through different things and, and looking at the truths of God's word, you kind of lay out the skeleton, and there are certain truths that I believe God would have us hit over the course of this series. Uh, what, what are those truths? What, what is it that God wants us to understand about who we are in Christ? And so immediately some of these words pop up, and in the midst of that praying, and in the midst of that agonizing over God's word and the truths that he would have me give to you, sometimes there are some things I think, wait, 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 wait just a minute, Lord. Are, are you sure about this one? I, I mean, it's great. I mean, how awesome is it to be able to tell people they're created in the likeness and image of God? That's a piece of cake. How awesome is it to be able to tell people I'm forgiven? I mean, who doesn't want to know that their sins are forgiven and, and they can live out of that identity? I, I, that, that's, that's, that's easy. Boy, it's great to be able to tell people I am secure. Who doesn't want to be secure? Who doesn't want to sense that security of being in a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? Well, it's great to be able to tell people, I am new. You don't have to live out of the old you. You can live out of the, the new you, who you are in Jesus Christ. It's great to be able to tell people, I am adopted. But today, we're going to fill in the blank with a little different word. I am afflicted. I am afflicted. There was a point in my preparation for this series of messages that I looked at that word, and it was almost as if it jumped off of the pages of God's word at me. And I thought, but, but you know, that, that's, I mean, it's one thing to tell people that they're new, that they're adopted, that they're forgiven, that they're secure, and all, but, but I'm, aff, I'm, I'm afflicted. I'm afflicted. Big truth. You've heard me say this before, this is not original with me, but I think it's an important truth for us to remember as we consider this subject, I am afflicted. God's love is a perfecting love, not a pampering love. Let that soak in for just a moment. God's love is a perfecting love, not a pampering love. See, the problem with many people today is, is, is they, they make the fatal mistake of thinking that God is some kind of a cosmic candy machine to whom we, we, we make pleas and we make appeals and, and God is just consumed with, with dispensing these little morsels of awesomeness into our lives whereby we will all the time be healthy, wealthy, and wise and everything's going to be great all the time. That's what God's consumed with. And if somehow it doesn't work that way, if, if, if somehow, sometimes I, I get a piece of candy out of, that, out of that cosmic candy machine and it's kind of bitter and I want to spit it out, God's off his game. God's messed up. God's not doing what I think he should do. I am afflicted. Understand this, Christians will suffer. And knowing what kind of suffering it is can help us endure our own affliction as well as comfort others in their affliction. How are you and others around you afflicted? How are you afflicted? 
From Paul's suffering, and we, and we know that he suffered. We, we find that a number of times in Scripture. We see that we can be afflicted for others' good, for our growth, and for God's glory. It's important to remember that. How could your affliction be used as others are watching? How is that possible? Don't waste your affliction. Invest it. Don't lose heart. I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, verses 7 through 10. It's in this section of Scripture that Paul references what has become known to us as his thorn in the flesh. His affliction, you might say. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 10. Paul says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations... A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, this is important, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Would that be possible if we never experienced, if we never had to live in the midst of weakness? My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, my afflictions, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I am afflicted. Mark Driscoll has identified no less than 14 different types of affliction in Scripture. There are different types of affliction. We know that to be true. I'm not going to give you all of those today, but I want to give you some of them so that you have an idea of kind of what we're talking about, where we're coming from today. There is Adamic affliction. That is where because of Adam and because of sin entering the world, the world is just a broken place. Do you know that to be true today? This world is a crazy, broken place. Any of you ever turned on the news in the evening and found everything that you heard on the news good news? Everything good? No. In, in fact, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, is there any good news? Is there anything to report besides uh, you know, you know, political strife and contention and all of these things? Is there anything to report besides wars and rumors of wars and, 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 and conflict in the Middle East and, and, and murders in this town and that town and, and, and crime here and drug abuse here and all of these different things? You just got the one. We live in a crazy, sinful, broken world. And sometimes as a result of the crazy, sinful world in which we live, there's affliction. Adamic affliction. There is consequential affliction consequential affliction that is where to use the language of the apostle paul elsewhere we reap what we sow we reap what we sow if you do dumb things then you're going to experience uh, you're going to reap what you sow if you abuse your body you're going to reap what you sow if you eat junk food all the time you're going to reap what you sow and the, the same is true in every area of life. We reap what we sow. And some of the things with which we're afflicted are the result of our own foolish mistakes, our own foolish decisions. 
That's consequential affliction. Now, there's a lot of confusion there many times. Some people mistakenly think that they are suffering for the cause of Christ when really they're experiencing the results of their own foolish decisions. And Scripture makes it very clear that there's a distinct difference in how we respond to those things. The Bible says that as we experience the consequences of our own sin, our own failures, we are to respond to that through repentance. We're to repent. There's a completely different word used in responding to those two types of things. When we are experiencing, uh, when we're experiencing difficulties in our life, trials and tribulations that would not necessarily be the result of our own foolish decisions, the scripture tells us that we are to bear up under those things. It's the same idea as a guy who's going to do, uh, who's going to do, you know, he's going to get up under the weight and he's going to do deep knee bends, he's going to squat and he's going to bring that weight back up. The word is hupomene. So there are times when we're afflicted through trials and, and tribu- different things that God, you remember God's love is not a, perf- a pampering love, it's a perfecting love. And so we're to bear up under that, we're to hupomene. It's a completely different response. So understand that there, there is consequential affliction. There is vicarious affliction. Vicarious affliction. And that is where people seem like they hate us. But what they really hate is the Jesus in us, that we love Jesus and they hate Jesus. And since we love Jesus, it seems that they hate us. And you got a lot of that today. Do you realize how trendy it is? Not so much in this part of the country because we we still live in, in, I guess, what we would describe the Bible. But but do you realize how hip and cool and trendy it is to be anti-Christian today? That shouldn't surprise us. God's word tells us that things are going to wax worse and worse. And, and, and so sometimes there is some vicarious affliction. Now, few of us have really, truly experienced that. You, you may have experienced a bit of that in the workplace. Uh, I can remember a few years ago, I was asked to pray at the dedication of a, uh, of a hospital in Alice. And uh, one of the organizers of this event came to me and said, you know, it would probably be best if you didn't pray in Jesus' name. And I said, well, then I'm probably the wrong guy to pray. If that's the stipulation that you're going to put on this, if I can't pray in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm a Christian pastor, a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm unashamed in that. And so for you to tell me that I can't or should not pray in the name of Jesus, I'm sorry, either I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus or I'm not going to pray. There's a bit of that vicarious affliction. It, it, we call it political correctness and a lot of different things today. It's, we, we candy coat it, try to make it look good. But in some ways, there's, there's some vicarious affliction. Then there's empathetic affliction. This is someone that we love who's hurting, and so we're hurting too. There's not a person in this room who can't think of someone that you know, someone in your family, maybe someone who lives at your house who's suffering a bit right now. And because they are, you are. Because they're experiencing some affliction, you too are experiencing some affliction. It's empathetic affliction. I'm uh, wearing one of those little rubber bracelets this morning. It's a purple one that says, praying for Felicia. Praying for Felicia. And like many of you, I have found myself over the last six plus weeks now, if you can imagine that it's been that long, I've found myself 
afflicted, empathizing with the Moore family. And as we, as we gather at midweek and we, we get a, a refreshed prayer list and we look over the names on that prayer list, many times we experience some empathetic affliction. We, we have people that we love and we care for deeply and we see that they're, that they're afflicted. So there's empathetic affliction. There's also apocalyptic affliction. That is, as we get closer to the end of the world and the return of Jesus Christ, the judgment of the living and the dead, there will be intense opposition and affliction toward God's people. And things uh, give, give every account in Scripture of, of things getting more difficult and, and worse. So we see that. We, we see, as Scripture describes, the birth pangs of these things happening. And we find description of that in Scripture. These wars and these rumors of wars and all of these various things and earthquakes and so forth. You see the, the unrest in our world today. All, everything moving closer toward the things that we see indicated in Scripture as the end of this world as we know it. Apocalyptic affliction. Sometimes there's mysterious affliction. You know, sometimes we just don't know. We, we, we just don't know. Do, do you know how many times I've wanted to be able to give somebody an answer? I want to go, oh yeah, boom, I can peg that right away. That's, that's this kind of affliction. Oh, oh I, know why, yeah, I know why you're... I can't do that. I'm not God. And so you know what? It, it's okay sometimes to say we don't know. We just don't know. I mean, the last time I checked, I'm not God. And the last time I checked was when I woke up this morning. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'm breathing. I I'm alive, but that's a gift from God. Everything I have is a gift from God. He's still on his throne. He's still in control. And sometimes I don't have all the answers. It's a bit of a mystery. Then there's providential affliction. This is more what I want us to talk about today. This is kind of the segue into the meat of our message this morning. Providential affliction is, is that which increases the worship of God. Someone goes through a hardship or a difficulty, but they endure it in such a way that other people come to know the love of God. The God to whom they're devoted. That was the case with Joseph in the Old Testament. He was opposed. He was thrown in jail. But then he rises up to power and he's a great testimony to God. And many people are saved as a result of that. And so it is with Paul. He, he's here having an opportunity to glorify God in his sufferings. And in so doing, perhaps more people will become Christians. And that increases the worship of God. Let me ask you to do this. How many of you, I'll just slip your hand up and hold it there for a minute. How many of you have either personally been impacted by cancer or someone in your family has been impacted by cancer? Just raise your hand. Hold it up. Look across the room right now. Keep your hands up and look across the room. That's virtually everybody in here. If it hasn't hit somebody in your immediate family, it's hit somebody very close to you. Now, the reason I asked you to do that was this. I'm going to guess that virtually all of you, especially if you've experienced it personally, Okay, not, not necessarily that you, that you personally have dealt with cancer. I think, I think of Joy over here, bless her heart, and, and I, could think, I could give you many, 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 many names. All right? But, but, but in that, I'm going to guess that most of you who are, who are devoted to Jesus Christ, you're followers of Jesus Christ, you've experienced uh, the, 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 the suffering and the things that go along with that. You would also say at the same time that as a result of that, you've been drawn closer to God. 
You've been drawn closer to God. God's done a work in your life through that affliction that perhaps would not have been done otherwise. And that's true for me. I couldn't always say that. It was difficult for me to understand that as a kid when my mom died of colon cancer. But, you know, I I look back, and even this week I had an opportunity to look back at my life. My mom would have been 72 years old this past week. And I think about all those years that we, we didn't get to enjoy one another's presence and conversation here on this earth. But then I also think of how I was strengthened. My family was strengthened. My sister was strengthened. We were texting back and forth this week and talking about some of those things. And, and it was just amazing the work that God has done in our lives as a result of that. And the way that he's been glorified even in that. And the, and the number of times that I've been able to share through testimony and, and, and through counseling and through, through empathy with other people and, and, and just all of the different things that God has done through that. The Bible speaks often of affliction. That's one of the things I love about the Word of God. It is the most honest book that you'll ever find. I mean, it's not as if these sorts of things, the sufferings and things, you know, there, there's just a half a chapter nestled in there somewhere devoted to those things. No, no, you, you, you find it throughout the Word of God. Clearly a third of the Psalms, the entire book of Lamentations, every Old Testament prophetic book with the exception perhaps of, of Haggai contains lament over affliction. It's, it's the reality of life. It's part of life. Now, as we look at the Apostle Paul here, we see a a little different terminology. He refers to this thorn in the flesh. What what is a thorn? Well, literally, it's a a splinter. It's a pointed, sharp. um, I I was cleaning out around some flower beds yesterday, and and we've got some roses in this particular flower bed. And I was just kind of reaching in there. didn't have gloves on or anything. I was pulling out some weeds and everything. And I grabbed hold of a a dead portion of, of one of those rose bushes that still had thorns on it. And it hurt to the point that I almost wanted to cry for a minute there because you ever get something like that like up under your fingernail? I mean, it's just like, wow. And so when we think of a thorn, you can probably think of a personal experience or two where you, where you got a hold of a thorn and it hurt and it hurt badly. Well, that's the idea. And the thing is, is this. In the case of a thorn in the flesh, as Paul refers to it here, it's a constant sort of pain disproportionate to its size. I mean, have you ever had just a, a, little, a little splinter? And you look at that and think, how in the world could something smaller than a grain of rice cause me that much pain? And many times in life, the things that we deal with, I mean, seem rather insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But they cause a great deal of pain. The, the Apostle Paul... In, in, in Christian circles has become rather famous for this thorn in the flesh. In fact, there's been a lot of debate as to what this thorn is exactly. Some have surmised that it was bad eyesight, and some have said it was this thing or that thing, or that he had this issue here. He had gout. I've heard that before. I, how in the world they came up with that conclusion? But all these different people have had all these you know, ideas of, of, of what it is that the Apostle Paul suffered from. What was his thorn in the flesh? And you know, they've, they've gone to you know, different remote texts and different things and tried to surmise from those things. I think there's a reason that we don't know for certain what his thorn in the flesh was. And one of the reasons that I think we don't know for certain is so that different ones of us couldn't say, you know, I, I've got the same thorn in the flesh that the Apostle Paul had. My thorn's actually worse than yours. 
what's my cross to bear? Have you ever said something like that before? Yeah. What is this thorn? Here's a good definition for a thorn in the flesh. It's an enduring source of personal pain allowed by God for our good and his glory. It's an enduring source of personal pain allowed by God for our good and his glory. Not necessarily physical in nature. I don't believe that to be the case. Some have asked me, Brother Mike, do you think that diabetes is your thorn in the flesh? I I haven't really come to that conclusion. I, I I don't think of it that way, to be honest with you. Others would say, yeah, that's, that's definitely, I mean, that's, that's one of those, you know. It's an enduring source of personal pain allowed by God for our good and his glory. And while God does occasionally intervene, God does not spare his adopted sons and daughters from the effects of living in a fallen world. And if we don't know scripture, we can think God is somehow abandoning us during our affliction when in reality God is moving toward us in a way unlike any other. All the while remembering God's love is not a pampering love, it's a perfecting love. And so if you're here this morning and you feel as if you're dealing with a bit of affliction, then understand God is perfecting you, not pampering you. Now also understand this, Satan's goal for this thorn is to harass and to torment you into hopelessness is to harass and torment you into hopelessness, into defeat. That's his desire. God's goal is to use it for your good. You'll notice here in verse number 8, the apostle Paul says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. God's goal is to use it for our good and for his glory. So there are three important truths I want us to take from this today. As it relates to affliction, I am afflicted. Number one is this. Affliction keeps us humble. Affliction keeps us humble. There's an old Mac Davis song that says, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble. What? When you're perfect in every way. Huh? That's, that's not a great song, by the way. I, I don't know all the lyrics, but I know enough of them to know that uh, it's pretty much a song that says... Yeah, I pretty much got it going on. and I, it. The afflictions of our lives remind us that we're not all that in a bag of chips, as we sometimes say. That, that, that we're not perfect. The only way that we can be declared perfect is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But in and of ourselves, we're weak. We're sinful people. We, we tend to go back and live in our identity in the flesh. We tend to go back and live in the trash. We, we tend to forget who we are in Christ. We tend to suffer from an identity crisis. That's our tendency. That's human nature. And we, we battle that and we deal with that every single day. And affliction keeps us humble. That's what Paul says here. Notice he says, lest I should be exalted above measure. He says that again in verse number seven. He says, I was given this thorn in the flesh, given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Affliction has a way of humbling us, doesn't it? I can go back to 17, almost 18 years ago now when I was diagnosed with diabetes. And up to that point in my life, I hadn't really had any physical issues. I'd been very athletic through high school and through college, played college basketball. I'd enjoyed great health. I, I, man, I'd been very active. I, 
you know, had little aches and pains here and there related to some sports injuries and different things like that. But boy, as far as my physical health was concerned, I really took it for granted, to be honest with you. And with that, I felt very much in control of myself, physically speaking. I could run and I could lift and I could do all of these things. And boy, I just, and God showed me something while I lay in that hospital in Clarksville, Texas. Mike, you're not nearly as in control as you think you are. Affliction has a way of humbling us. A way of humbling us. It's a principle that we find in Scripture. You know, we get so filled up with ourselves many times that God has to say, let me just show you how big you are after all. Let me just show you how big you are not. Affliction keeps us humble. And so if you're experiencing some affliction in your life right now, you're dealing with some issues uh, that, that, that you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel or you think there's just no way. You, hey, w- 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 what should we do? Cry out to God, humble ourselves before the Lord. Lord, show me what it is you want me to learn through this. How is it that you're perfecting me through this? Humble yourself before the Lord. He'll honor that. Affliction keeps us humble. Here's a second truth. Affliction keeps us growing. Affliction keeps us growing. If you've ever exerted yourself physically in the form of exercise much, then you know the importance of, uh, 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 of putting some strain on your muscles. If you go lift weights... The, the whole point is that you are afflicting those muscles. You're putting them under pressure. And, and if you're going to grow stronger, then you have to put those muscles to the test, we sometimes say. That's why if you've really done a good workout, you'll be physically exhausted at the end of that workout. Because you've put your muscles, you've put your body to the test. You've, you've worked out, that's what it's called. Right? There has to be some strain. There has to be some... And that's the way it is with affliction. Affliction keeps us growing, growing in grace. In fact, your thorn will crush you with God's grace many times. Without grace, you become bitter. And, and, and there, there's a big issue right there because many times the way that we respond to the affliction in our lives makes all the difference in the world. If when you sense affliction in your life, maybe you sense that you know, things aren't going quite right, or boy, you, you kind of had an unexpected diagnosis or something like that. If you're thinking, God, what is wrong with you? I don't deserve this. I mean, there's a lot of different things that we throw out there. Why me? Why now? What in the world have I ever, I've been serving you faithfully, God. I've done this, I've done this. And you start listing off your spiritual pedigree and your resume to God as if he doesn't know about you. What you find there is that you're growing bitter when God intends for you to grow better. Affliction keeps us growing, keeps us growing. Can can, can you imagine how absolutely worthless and rotten most of us would be if everything was peachy keen, wonderful all the time? How many of us would really depend on God like we should if, if, I mean, it was always smooth sailing? Never had a need, never sensed any kind of affliction, never had any kind of difficulty or trial or tribulation or anything like that. Everything's just wonderful. 
And, and we've all had seasons where maybe we felt like, man, everything's clicking along pretty good. Family life's great. My job's good. I'm, yeah, kids are happy. You know, all these different things. And so many times it's during those periods or those seasons in our lives where we drift from the Lord because it's as if I don't really need God so much right now. And so affliction comes, and affliction keeps us growing. Here's the third thing. Affliction keeps us connected. Affliction keeps us connected. Now, what did it do for Paul here? Well, it did two or three things. It elevated his prayer life. <laughs> it elevated his prayer life. It says, says that he went to the Lord with this thing three times. Lord, if there's any way, if there's any way you could relieve the pressure, if Lord, if there's any way that you could remove this thorn in the flesh, Lord, if there's any way you could just pull this splinter, it is causing me some pain. Lord, if there's any way. And so many times we think that, well, that's what God's all about. We're just going to run to him and he's going to, well, if he was really the loving God that, that he says in his word that he is, then, then he would immediately just remove the pain, right? Remove the source of pain. Make everything wonderful. Many times God says, that's not my purpose. My purpose is not to pamper you. My purpose is to perfect you, is to grow you, to keep you connected to me, to keep you dependent upon me, to keep you relying upon me. We go to God in prayer. I know for a fact that many of us would say, the times that I have spent the most time in prayer, the times that I have been most intense in my prayer life, the times that I've been most intentional in my prayer life, the times that I've been most focused in my prayer life was during times of affliction. I, I, I pray for all of you as a church family, but, but I happen to know that as a pastor, when one of you is, is, is afflicted, when one of you is going through a difficult stretch, when one of you is going through a difficult, I, I spend more time, more concentrated time, more devoted time in prayer for you during that season. Praying for Felicia. I've, I've prayed for the Moore family before, but not like I have in the last six weeks or so. Keeps us connected. Keeps us connected to God in prayer. It expands time in his word. What should it do? It should drive us to our knees. It should drive us to his word. Lord, what is it that you want to show me through this affliction? Lord, what is it that I need to learn? Lord, how is it that you're perfecting me and making me more like your son, the Lord Jesus Christ? I've talked to a number of you when you're going through some of life's most difficult days and you've told me a verse of scripture that you're clinging to like never before. It's like your life preserver. Would you be clinging to those scriptures if things were going great? Perhaps, but it's unlikely. It's unlikely. No, no. Affliction tends to drive us to our knees and prayer tends to drive us to the word of God. That's what it should do. It keeps us connected. Not only that, but it keeps us connected to one another. One of the things that I love most about, about the body of Christ on a local level as we come together is, is I encounter different ones of you and, and, I, and I, I, I overhear conversations or I'm a part of conversations. And, and what it is is you're asking one another, hey, how are things going with it? Hey, how are you feeling? Hey, how, how was your week? Hey, how, how about that treatment? How, how, how did that? 
And, and many of you, you, you get that prayer list that's produced weekly here, and you, you pray over that prayer list, and you're, and you're looking at those names, and, and you may even find yourself weeping a bit because you see a, a dear friend listed there. Someone that you've grown to love and someone that has been an encouragement to you and someone that has, has prayed for you through difficult times and now you find yourself praying for them. It keeps us connected to one another. That's why scripture says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Keeps us connected. Keeps us connected. I want to close today by reading again the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the church at Ephesus. In relation to these things. In Ephesians chapter 3 verses 10 through 13. I want you to listen to these words. And just imagine the apostle Paul. Writing these words to you. Saying these words to you. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart. At my tribulations for you which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We've used these last two verses many times over, but, but hear, them, hear them a little differently in their context. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man, Paul says, do not lose heart. You came to worship today a bit afflicted. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. God's love is not a pampering love. It's a perfecting love. And through that, he desires to grow you in him more like his son, Jesus Christ. It's so that others can be encouraged, so that you'll grow in grace, and he ultimately will be glorified. I am afflicted. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment this morning. I don't know what your affliction may be today. Maybe you're going through a season of, of grief. You've recently lost a loved one. Maybe you're battling some sickness or disease. Maybe someone very close to you is battling sickness or disease. Maybe, maybe your affliction right now is financial in nature. There's some relationship issues. Maybe it's job related. 
remember, God's love is not a pampering love, it's a perfecting love. And affliction should keep us humble, should keep us growing in grace, should keep us connected. Connected to God through prayer, connected to His Word, connected to one another as the body of Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I can assure you, as certainly as I'm standing before you today, that you being in a right relationship with God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, will make all the difference in the world. It's not cliche to say that that relationship is a matter of life and death. In fact, Scripture says that it is through the death, the burial, the resurrection of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can have eternal life. It also will make all the difference in the world in how you respond and react to affliction. When you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ, through affliction, you'll tend to grow better as opposed to bitter. You'll begin to know and understand that God's working your life and he's molding and shaping you into who he wants you to be. I don't know how God may be speaking to your heart today, but I would invite you to respond to him. Maybe that you simply need to come and pray. Maybe you've been a bit afflicted lately. It's time that you were driven to your knees in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for, for your word. For the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as difficult as it may be, we thank you for affliction. Lord, we recognize that in the life of a child of God, affliction is to keep us humble, to keep us growing, to keep us connected, relying upon you and upon your word. Lord, I pray that you do a work in our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church. We invite you to come worship with us anytime you're near. We're located at 206 Marietta Street, Queen City, Texas. Visit us online at fbcqc.org.